Well, good morning and welcome. All right. Well, it's kind of not too bad, I guess. We'll try it one more time. Good morning. Okay, that's a little better. I mean, it was super dreary yesterday, but the sun's supposed to come out today. So there we go. Well, welcome to East LJ Baptist Church. If you're joining us for the first time, it's our privilege to have you here. And uh, we're just we're so glad you're with us this morning here at East LJ Baptist. We exist to spread our enjoyment of the beauty of Christ to our world because we have seen in Him the glory of God. Through His life, death, and resurrection uh, that we learn about in the gospel, we have seen the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, Scripture says. And because we've seen Him, we've been captivated by Him. We are, he's our heart's greatest delight, and we can't help but live to spread our enjoyment of Him to the world. We hope that today you'll see His beauty and that when you leave here, you'll be captivated by Him as well. All right, let's stand together as we read from the Word of God. Luke chapter 18, verses 15 to, 8, uh, 15 to 17 will be our text for the morning. If you join us today for the first time, we have been for oh, a long time working our way through the Gospel of Luke, and we'll continue that this morning. Luke 18, verses 15 to 17. Luke says, Now they were bringing even infants to him, that is Jesus, that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the little children, let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child, shall not enter it. Very simple and yet powerful passage before us this morning. I'm so thankful that we know the gospel, that we understand it is the faith of a simple child in the Lord Jesus Christ that saves. It's all about the object of our faith, not the strength of our faith. And the fact that Jesus is the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I'm so thankful that we know that message and that truth. But so many people that you know, your neighbors, whether that be your co-workers, family, friends, uh, as well as the nations, so many in this world who've yet to even hear the name of Jesus, uh, do not know this truth, do not know the simple gospel that we'll be considering this morning. As we pray, I want us to pray for your neighbors, but I also want us to pray for an unreached people group called the Zanzibari Swahili of Oman. 55,000 people in this people group with no evangelical witness among them. Very difficult to, to get to this, to this part of uh, the Middle East and uh, very few willing workers to, to try to make that penetration with the gospel there. So pray with me for, the, for these and also uh, join as we pray for many who are sick and grieving today. Father, we thank you that it's not complicated to know you. And yet it is the simplicity and the childlikeness that is required over which so many stumble. God, I pray that we would understand with even more clarity what it means to relate to you as a child to his father. And Lord, that we would walk in childlike simplicity and yet reality 
with you. Lord, how we pray for those that we know that need to know the Lord Jesus. And we pray, God, for boldness to share with them the simple truth of Jesus. Likewise, we pray for the nations in this morning, the Zanzibari Swahili people of Oman. They've, many of them probably, Lord, have never even heard the name of Jesus. We pray that you would change that, that you would use some of us, that you would raise up some of your people from a local church somewhere in this world to take the gospel to them. And Lord, this morning we also want to join our hearts to pray for Pam and Jack Dempsey, who are struggling with COVID, the Howe family who have COVID. Lord, we continue to pray for uh, Anna Waddell. Thank you that she was able to come home, but uh, as they continue to try to figure out what to do about the abscess she's dealing with. We continue to pray for Tyree Donaldson, co-worker of David and Phil's, and uh, as he is dealing with some heart issues, we just pray for wisdom and full restoration there. We pray for Lily Chastain, three-year-old granddaughter of John Chastain and John and Sandra, and we pray for her. Thank you, thank you that she's home but still struggling with some uh, respiratory issues. Lord, we pray for Paul Johnson this morning, friend of Susan Anderson's with multiple severe health issues. We just pray, God, for your healing and a sense of your presence uh, in his life. We lift up Sandy Finley to you this morning, Lord, and pray that you give her doctors wisdom as she continues to struggle um, with things and they're having a hard time figuring out what's going on. Just give them wisdom as they uh, as she goes to the doctor on uh, the 11th. And Lord, we continue to pray for uh, Pastor Steve Fields as he's in cardiac rehab and just pray that you uh, bring him back to full health. We pray for strength and encouragement uh, during that time. And Father, thank you for... Uh, Everyone in this room today, thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in each life. I thank you that in this moment, you see and know the depths of all of our hearts. You know exactly where we're at, what we've been dealing with. You know what we're thinking. You know what we're feeling. You know the joys, you know the hurts, you know the anxieties. Father, I pray that as only you can, by your Spirit, through your Word today, that you would meet each of us for your glory above all things in our lives, but Lord, also for our good in Jesus. Thank you for the gift of prayer. And we know that this morning we pray to the God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or even imagine. And we thank you. We wait now with anticipation at what you're going to do. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's remain standing as we worship in song. We're glad you joined us. Let's sing uh, together as we sing a Revelation song.
Every breath and every step we sing. 
Father, thank you that that is who you are, our strong God. Lord, you are a mighty fortress for our souls. Lord, how weak and vulnerable and hopeless, helpless are we apart from Jesus Christ our refuge and our strength, our Savior, our rock, all our hope. Thank you that because of Him we can know you as our mighty God, as our Father, as our fortress. And we can live boldly, we can live confidently, even in your power and strength, the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us as your people by the power of your Spirit in us. What a privilege and joy to be the children of the one and only true and living, strong God. To live our lives in you as our fortress. How amazing it is to be called the children of the living God. May we get that in ways that maybe we never have today. May we live as children for your glory's sake, for your worthy. We praise you and we thank you, Lord. Come now by your Spirit. Anoint the preaching and the hearing of your Word, and by your Spirit change our lives. Transform us by the truth. For your name's sake we ask these things. In Jesus' name, amen.
So before we dismiss for children's church, something different today. Y'all up for something different, kids? The real question is that the, the adults involved, are they up for something different? But see, I'm going to call them out so they don't really get a choice. So this, uh, this last Wednesday night, I want all the kids, all the kids, uh, if you're in elementary and under, come on down. And if you work with them on Wednesday or Sunday in any capacity, adults, come on down. And see, at this point, the onus is on you adults. The quicker you do this, the shorter this message will be. The longer it takes, then the longer this sermon will be. So I can call names. I do see faces of those who are here on Wednesday night. So everybody, come on down. Okay, you guys just stand right here and face that way, okay? I mean, these kids are quick. Some of you adults are like molasses. And there's some of you that need to get up. (laughs) Miss Pam. And Kim Jordan. I can continue to go. Amy Bradshaw. No, you work with... You work with children? Get on down here. You do teenagers? Okay. Well, see, I didn't call you now, so come on. All right, so Wednesday evening... We, had, uh, we have See for Yourself Bible study. We've actually moved in here. And so there were some of us having Bible study in here. And um, toward the end of that study, I, the door back there where Larry's standing, like it would open, there'd be a kid, and then close, kid would disappear. And then in a minute, it opened, there'd be a kid there with something in his hand, he'd disappear. And so finally, we got done. We we're just trying to, we're, we're a little bit late, and we, we're breaking up. And a couple of the kids came in. And then when I finally got out of the sanctuary, um, I didn't go over, the, the group discussion went over. So um, when I got, finally get out there, I had a stack. Look at that, look at all these cool cards. And y'all saw me get a few this morning uh, of pastor appreciation cards. Some of, you, some of you guys, and so I wanted to, first of all, I just want to tell you kids, thank you. I didn't get to see some of you Wednesday when you tried to bring me these because the people I was with kept me in the room and they wouldn't let me out. But thank you for the sweet cards. I read them all this week and I really enjoyed uh, looking at your pretty pictures and reading all the, the sweet things you wrote me. So thank you for those. And, uh, and so how awesome is that? And so, um, but I wanted to thank the kids, but I also want to thank these folks because, and they're not all here. Some of you are still in your seats or you're in, some are in the nursery. Some are uh, prepping for children's church and they're wondering where <laughs> these kids are. Um, but thank you guys for leading the children, for teaching them week in and week out. Uh, I want you to know how much we appreciate you as a church. Amen? Amen. Amen. And kids, I want you to know how much, not just Pastor Chad, but the church loves children. We love you. And we're thankful that God has blessed our church with you guys and allow, allowing us to get to know you and, and, and for um, your, your leaders to be able to work with you and, and love you and teach you God's word. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. We love you guys. All right, thank you so much. We appreciate that, and that's, it's been a fun week. Thank you guys again so much. And so we even got pictures of this, so that's awesome. And you guys may be seated. Oh, yes, there was a cake involved also. And you saw it when you came in. You all saw it. And at last check, none of you had eaten it. So please, uh, <laughs> please take a piece of cake home. Um, all the kids are gone, so we waited until this morning to cut it. Um, but that was a fun time. 
So when you get back to your seats, now, parents, we will be dismissed to Children's Church. Awesome. Turn in your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 18. We'll be looking at verses 15 to 17. And if you're here for the reading of these verses at the beginning of the service, you realize that not only was that a sincere thank you and an expression of appreciation I wanted to give to our students, our kids, and their leaders, but it's also a tie directly in to our message this morning. We're going to be talking about, as Jesus teaches us today, growing down into the kingdom of God. We talk about growing up. Well, Jesus in this passage looks at us as adults and says, you need to learn to grow down if you want to be in the kingdom. Growing down into the kingdom of God. Here's the truth that Jesus teaches us in this passage. Every person must come to Jesus like a child in order to enter the kingdom of God. That's the simple summary of these three verses, and here they are. Very simple, straightforward passage. Those are the ones that always get you because the truth is clear. It's the application that'll, that'll trip you up. Jesus, Luke says... Now they were bringing even infants to him, that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them, the children, the the little ones, with their parents bringing them to him, saying, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And so real simple. Every person must come to Jesus like a child in order to enter the kingdom of God. That's just, it's plain and simple. There's no other way in, Jesus said. Again, there are just really two super simple but crucial points that Jesus wants us to understand as we break this idea down here from the scene we've just read. Number one this morning, Jesus welcomes children into his kingdom, verses 15 and 16. Jesus welcomes children into his kingdom. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. So you you read that and you think, okay, that's neat, but like, is there a story behind it? What's going on with that? Well, we're told by scholars that it was a common thing in that day there in Israel for parents to take their infants and toddlers to the elders of Israel, to the rabbis of Israel, and to ask them to bless them. That is, to pray over them and to consecrate them, as it were, to the Lord. So this is a rather common practice and and would not have been out of the way or unusual at all. And yet, when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. <laughs> now, we're not, we're not really sure why the disciples did that. Maybe they thought Jesus was above this. He was the rabbi of a different order, so therefore he shouldn't be bothered with such things. Maybe, maybe they knew his heart was no doubt generally heavy during these days. He had already said several times he was headed to Jerusalem to, to die, He knew what was before him. He knew the upcoming uh, 
arrest and torture and crucifixion. He knew all of that. Perhaps he, was, he had just sort of a, a sense of, of um, sobriety about him, a somber tone to his, to his demeanor maybe in these days, and maybe they, maybe they were really trying to, to protect him. We don't really know. Whatever the reason, though, this much we do know, they were wrong, right? Even if for the right reason, they were wrong, because Jesus corrects them and tells them his heart for children, Verse 16, but Jesus called them to him, saying, let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Guys, either you got a bad attitude about what you're doing and you're wrong, or even with the best of intentions, I appreciate your, your effort, but you're wrong. No, always let the kids come. Always let the kids come to me. Don't ever hinder the kids coming, from, coming to me because to such belongs the kingdom of God. Jesus welcomes children into the kingdom of God. You see, that's why we make children's ministry a priority here at East LJ Baptist Church. That's why these folks you saw up here and others, it's a big deal. Jesus loves children. You sang the song growing up, didn't you? Jesus loves the little children. He really loves the, the little children. I praise God for parents who want their kids to know Jesus and are teaching them God's Word at home as well as bringing them to church for children's ministries that, hear me parents, supplement and reinforce what you're doing at home. These words of Jesus tell us that children can understand the gospel and enter into God's kingdom. Now, maybe not at three, maybe, maybe not as infants, but certainly even, even young children, it's a simple gospel message. And we fairly regularly are privileged here as a church to watch God do His work of salvation in our children's hearts by His Spirit as He draws them to faith in Jesus. Some of our kids, some of the, the ones that you saw standing up here, they have been in Sunday school since they could be carried to Sunday school. They have heard the gospel of Jesus They've never known a time, just like I grew up, they've never known a time when they didn't hear about Jesus at church on Sunday. And what a blessing and gift in life that truly is. And we have the privilege of, of seeing God draw them. What a privilege it is for me to get to hear children describing how, in, in their own words, how God dealt with them, how He worked in their lives. Maybe at, maybe at home one night before bed with their mom and their dad or or maybe driving down the, I've heard this before, driving down the road in the car. They're in the back seat, mom's in the front seat, and God's in the car. And he just does the whole thing right there. Wheels are rolling, and, and the, God saves the child. How they came to trust Jesus as their Savior, and to hear them express with clarity and, and, and even, even conviction, they know their, 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 their little hearts are sensitive. They know they, they're sinners. They, they understand what that means. Not in the fullness that you and I do, but they understand it. They understand that they need help with that thing called sin. And they understand who Jesus is. And they understand that God said, Jesus did everything that was needed to deal with their sin. And they believe it. Why? Because God said it. And so praise God for these opportunities. <coughs> Parents, this is not news to you, I don't hope, but just, 
get the picture here, you, you, not these wonderful, this wonderful team of ladies and, and some men in the background that you saw a while ago, but you, as parents, are God's appointed teachers and disciplers, that is, one who makes them to be a follower of Jesus in the lives of your children, especially for the time you have them in your home. That is your responsibility. And I would be remiss if I didn't exhort the same parents I just encouraged for what we see going on in children's ministry, if I didn't exhort you to continue, to make sure to, that you continue to bring your kids to Jesus, even as these parents in the text were doing, by keeping them involved in your church family, which, by the way, according to the Word of God, is God's perfect design for our families as they move out of childhood into those teen years. I would be remiss if I didn't exhort you to resist the temptation to prioritize other things over continuing to teach your teens God's Word and having them under solid teaching in the youth group as well as in your home. Because here's the thing. Of this, you can be sure. What you demonstrate to your family as the priority of both yourself and the family as a whole will be exactly what your children prioritize when they leave home and go off to college. And if it's not still Jesus and the people, the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ for whom Jesus died, that is priority, then they, like so many 18 to 25-year-olds, will leave the church never to return. Some 70 to 80% of our kids in the church leave and never come back. Parents, do not, even as Jesus warned the disciples, do not hinder your children from coming to Jesus by misplaced worldly priorities that can so quickly, hear me, that can so quickly undo in the teen years what you so faithfully started when your children were little from infancy through elementary school. Those first, however many years that may be, 10 to 12 years can be undone in six months. Especially if that first six months of adolescence and your priorities therein continue on through high, junior high and high school. Do not underestimate the power of what I'm saying to you today. And I'm saying it strongly because I love you. I don't want you to know what it's like as I've had parents talk to me as they watch their children walk away from the Lord and never come back. They became disciples, listen to me, of exactly what their parents discipled them to love and worship. And nothing short. You will make disciples. The question is, what are they going to be following? What and in some cases, what, not who, what will they worship? Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such 
belongs the kingdom of God. Jesus welcomes children into his kingdom. But secondly, this morning in verse 17, Jesus goes a little bit further and he really turns the application to the adults, to, to everyone else. Jesus requires childlikeness of all who enter his kingdom. Verse 17, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Here's the thing, you let those kids come to me. They don't come over here and crawl up in my lap. They want me to put my hands on them and pray for them. You let them come. Don't hinder them because of such is the kingdom of God. But grown-ups, I can just see him. He's looking, he's looking those disciples first in the eye. And he's saying, boys, let me tell you something. If you don't get like the kids, you'll never enter the kingdom yourself. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Jesus requires childlikeness of all who enter his kingdom. Every person must come to Jesus like a child in order to get into the kingdom. But what does that mean? Let's spend a little time breaking that down. What does that mean? What does it mean to be like a child as we come to Jesus? Well, I just want to share four things. There, there could be more. Jesus doesn't really go into a lot of detail here. But these are some things that I think certainly are, are fit the application, fit, the, fit the, uh, the passage here. Don't contradict anything in Scripture. What does it mean to be like a child as we come to Jesus? First of all, it's just it's four simple things. First of all, simple trust. A child is full of simple trust, aren't they? You know, it never lasts as long as we'd like, but it is beautiful how little children simply believe their parents, isn't it? You remember that? I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i looking at some of your parents, and I know it's been a long, long time. I mean, they, like I said, it doesn't last as long as we, we, we want it to last. But Mama said it, and that settles it. I mean, that just, what she said, that, and, and thankfully it was true, Mama did good. I mean, that just defined the whole world right there. They, they just believe Mama. Why? Because she's Mama. Daddy told me that it was true. That's all I need to know. Daddy said it, I believe it. When my mama was a little girl, <laughs> I don't reckon but one time, except for one time, that my grandparents ever, my mama was the only child. I don't think they ever vacationed anywhere except Gatlinburg, except one time. They did go to Florida one time growing up, but it was Gatlinburg the rest of the time. <clears throat> they were still going to Gatlinburg when I was a, a kid, and they, then they started taking me and my sister to Gatlinburg. So anyway, they're in Gatlinburg for vacation. My mama's there. She's a little girl. Don't know exactly the age, but she's out there in the river. Y'all know the river. Everybody's been to Gatlinburg. Uh, if, unless you just got to LJ, you may not have been yet. There's a river. <laughs> she was in the river, and she's kind of wading. Um, and then she kind of started rock hopping. You know, she'd go, they'd be big rocks, and so she'd get on one rock, and it was up out of the water. She wasn't big on the water. She, didn't, she still can't swim that I know of. And so she uh, was hopping from one big rock to the other. And my grandma was watching Mama pretty close. Always did. She was her only baby. And she was looking at Mama, and she was watching, and she, she could tell that next rock Mama was going to jump on. And as she's looking at that next rock, she's kind of, you know, judging, okay, can she make that jump? You know, just... We well, call them helicopter moms today, you know. I mean, God forbid that she fall and get wet. So she's checking it out. Well, under the next rock, though, 
was a sneaky snake. Big water snake up under that next rock. And so quickly, my grandmother yells, Suzanne, stop. Stay right there. Now, thankfully, Mama was still at that age where she just did it. She could tell by the tone of Grandma's voice something's wrong. She didn't know what. But this was not time to question. It was time to obey. Trust and obey. She stayed still. Guess what? Mama is still here. Mama's still never been bitten, as far as I know, by a snake. Simple trust. Simple trust. Every person has to come to Jesus like a child in order, the kingdom, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. I just wonder, have we outgrown such simple trust? Have we got so grown up? that You know, when we come to that s- certain things here, it's 2021. I mean, Chad, I know what it, I, I know, I, I mean, I can read it. I know what it, the words say, but it can't possibly mean that. I mean, we know better than that today about whatever it may be. Or, let's get to the real crux of things. I know the scripture says it's by grace alone, through faith alone, but I just can't help but believe that I've got to do something to contribute to my salvation before God. There's no way when the real when the last day comes, he's actually just gonna, it's just going to be a gift. We begin, we begin to question, we begin to redefine, we begin to rewrite God's Word because we are too grown up for simple trust. The second thing it means to be and to come to Jesus like a child is simple humility. You know, this story follows the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and I don't think it's by mistake. I think it's by design in Jesus' perfect teaching methodology. Children are like the tax collector in the preceding parable, which is where the parable ended there in verse 13. The tax collector stood afar off, Jesus said, and he beat his breast. He wouldn't even lift his eyes up to heaven, and he prayed Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He was humble. He was fully acknowledging his guilt. No no pretense, no self-righteousness. But for the most part, children are like this tax collector. And again, this doesn't last as long as we'd like it to, but, but especially when they're young, like the toddlers in this, and infants in this scene with Jesus here, little children will make a quick admission of guilt. And have almost immediate sorrow for their sins, won't they? Again, that, that one really doesn't last long, right? I mean, they start, believe me, we've got six. They start defending themselves real quick. That self-justification kicks in at an early age. And by the way, parents, if you've got, them that little, you got, you got little guys, it's already kicked in. And if you don't know it, if they're two or three and you haven't seen it yet, then you, you need counseling because you're blind. <laughs> they start... Little. Explaining to you why what they just did was not wrong. But when they're really little, there's this simple humility about them. No pretense. They don't pretend to be better than anybody. They, when they mess up, they know they messed up. It's, it's all over their faces. They'll tell you. 
So here's the question for you and me. Are we continuing in such humility? Readily confessing our sins and admitting that anything we ever do for the Lord, none of it will ever be enough to earn anything with God. Are we still where we were when we first came to Jesus? Gladly admitting our weakness and our need and humbly clinging to Him as our only and sure hope? Or have we grown up to the place that we're no longer humble enough and, we, and we, we're, not, we're not like that anymore. We, we rather start pointing to our church record. <laughs> Y'all remember when perfect attendance was a thing in Sunday school? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if you can get that stuff anymore because, I mean, A, there need, need to be a lot more people coming to Sunday school. Sorry. Knife in, knife out. Okay, so that's over. But, you know, I'm, my point is, I mean, like, it was a thing. And, and, you know, I'm not sure what we thought. We, we thought we were doing a good thing encouraging Sunday school attention, but, I mean, uh, attendance. But, I mean, and I had them. I mean, you, you could put one on the other. They would connect together. You could get years' worth of pins. So you could walk around church, the grace place, the place where you need to be humble because you needed Jesus, with all your Sunday, by grannies, I hadn't missed Sunday school in 15 years. Now I've taught it for 40. And on and on we go, and so we start pointing to our church list. Are we continuing in this same humility to come to and walk with Jesus in the kingdom of God? We must be like children, and not only is there simple trust, there's simple humility. Do you have it? Do I? Thirdly, what does it mean to, to, to be like a child, to come to Jesus and walk with him like a child? It means a simple receptivity. One pastor said, children know how to receive a gift, don't they? You don't have to teach them that, do you? They just take it. At their first birthday, they're not really sure what is going on, right? Y'all remember the pictures? <laughs> you, know, you, you made a ton. So you could remember. Um, they had no idea what was going on. They're not really sure what the cake's about. I mean, they figure that out pretty good because once they get the sugar in their mouth, they're good. But then they're not sure why they're, what the present is because they're just little. But then at two, and, and Bessie and I, are, we were just talking about this the other day, um, we're expecting the grand, our first grand, I mean, you know what I'm saying, we're not expecting. My daughter-in-law is expecting our first grandbaby in February. We're kind of getting stoked about that. We're still you know, trying all you, all you veteran grandparents, are, you, know, you can laugh at us. That's fine. I don't care. Uh, we're going to get to be one of y'all soon, and we'll figure it out as, go, as we go. But like, we're excited, and we're thinking, man, Christmas, this Christmas, uh, you know, not this Christmas, but next Christmas, you know, we're expecting this Christmas. Next Christmas, we'll have the baby. But the next one, that's when it's going to be you know, big stuff, too. Because they got it figured out then. They know what those gifts are about then. And by the time they're three... They're really into receptivity, receiving gifts. Amen? I mean, the wrapping paper flies fast. Simple receptivity. So the question for us as adults is, Jesus said you got to be like this. Do we still wake up each day convinced that Jesus has given all the grace that we could ever need and that he'll keep us and keep on giving us more grace for today? Do we wake up and keep taking what he's 
loves to give. Just like we did that first time we took it. Are we that hungry for the grace we need? As hungry as we were the, the first day we met Jesus? Or do we simply take his mercies this morning that are new and fresh and all sufficient? Do we just wake up and say, yes, more please. I've got to have more of your grace. Or have we grown up to where we wake up and barter with God? God, here's the deal. I really need you to show up at 2 o'clock for this thing. Like there's big money involved in this thing, so I need you to show up there. So, so here's the deal. Okay, so let's see. Okay, so, so, so God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take her out on Friday night. I know, I know I haven't you know, loved my wife like I need to, but we're gonna, I'm going to, Friday night, so if, I mean, if you'll show up at 2 o'clock and, and, you know, bless this business deal, then, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix these things, you know, whatever, and, and try to barter with God. Now, here's the thing. You've never made that deal. Some of you do, by the way, need to take her out Friday night. Um, you're welcome, ladies. And, uh, but, but, but how many times have you, I mean, can you not remember those times this last week when you and your mind subconsciously, not out loud, but you didn't wake up and say, God, you said you give all the grace I need. You said your mercy is near morning and night, and God, I need them. I need all that you can give me. I need your help. I'm not trying to barter with you. I can't do anything. I don't deserve squat. I can't earn the help I need from you, but God, I need you. I need your grace. Simple receptivity. Simple trust, simple humility, simple receptivity. Finally, simple love. That same pastor I was talking about a minute ago said this, children easily return love for loving gifts. Enthusiastic hugs and kisses and multiple thanks are showered on the giver. By the way, I think, I'm beginning to figure this grandparent thing out a little bit as I think about it, that's probably one of the big funsies, right? Like That's what I'm looking forward to. I mean, I can't wait for the kisses from, right now they tell me the name's going to be Willa Renee. I can't imagine what that's going to be like to hold this little grandbaby, right? But this is the way children are. They give simple love. You love them, they love you back. So funny that... um, Sometime this month, I'm not sure if it's Wednesday night or... Another day, because I had some other kids bring me pastor appreciation cards, but this kid, I probably never had just maybe one or two conversations ever with this child. And so I was just thanking him, and I just, you know, I kind of squatted down, I was thanking him, and, you know, I was talking softer, and, you know, whatever. And he just runs up and wraps his arms around me, just big old hugging him. Which is fine with me, you know, but like, I mean, I wasn't going to initiate that because, I mean, like I said, I'm only, I mean, oh, it's just like we're best buddies, you know. I love you, Pastor Chad. (laughs) Is this simple love our response back to Jesus for his lavish and sacrificial love to us? That's what it means to be like a child, to come to Jesus like a child. By the way, if that's the way you come, that's the way you ought to stay. You're all tracking like you should, things should, don't change. You, you don't just get in the kingdom this way. You live this way in the kingdom. This is what the kingdom looks like. 1 John 4, 10 and 11 says this, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us 
and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 19 of the same chapter, we love because He first loved us. Make no mistake, what makes the gospel the gospel and different from every other world religion, there's a lot of things, but one thing is God loved us first. While we were still sinners, God so loved the world that He sent His Son to come die for us, to live a perfect life in our place, and then go to the cross and bear the curse that we deserve for our sins. The, thing, the good news of the gospel is it's news. We would have never figured it out. It had to be announced to us. God says to the world, I sent my Son to save you when you didn't even look for me. I did it for you. He loved us first. The only reason I love God is because He loved me first. The only reason I ever sought God, listen to me, Romans 3 says no one seeks God. There's none righteous, no, not one. No one seeks God. Is that plain? Do we need to, like, does that need a commentary? That means you don't look for God. So how do I explain when I looked for God and when I, when I trusted Jesus? God sought me. No one can come to the Father, Jesus said, except that I draw him. That's what happened. God loved us first, and the reason I love God back, the reason I love Jesus back, because he loved me first. Simple love. So the four, at least the ones we're looking at today, parts of being childlike, simple trust, simple humility, simple receptivity, simple love. By the way, in the app, if you open up our app, scroll up, and at the very bottom you'll see sermon notes. All this is in there. Uh, you, can, you can take a look at that. This is what it means to come to Jesus and to walk with him daily like a child. Simple trust, simple humility, simple receptivity, and simple love. How are you doing? Are we anywhere close? Spurgeon said this, We must not think a child cannot come to God unless he is li- until he is like a man, but a man cannot come until he is like a child. That's what Jesus said. And then he says this, We must grow down until we become like a child. That's the title. Now you know my secret. The title of today's message, Growing Down into the Kingdom of God. We must grow down until we become like a child. Can I suggest something right here? And I, have, I don't have time to unfold this and unpack this wheel. We'll do that. See for yourself right here Wednesday night. Y'all remind me to, to, to dig on this. Can I suggest to you that perhaps a great way to think about maturity in your walk with Jesus is how far down into childlikeness you've grown in your relationship with him. in the areas of trust, humility, receptivity, and love. I can tell you the people that I know that in my life as I think about the people that are close to Jesus. I just did one of their funerals a couple weeks ago, Martha Chastain. Some of you knew her, some of you didn't have the privilege, but... I would pray with Martha. I shared this story at the funeral. I would, I would, There's a season in ministry where I, um, in another church where I would go about every week and pray with her and her husband. 
John, and, and they would encourage their young pastors this 20 years ago. And we'd pray, and every time we'd pray, she, she, Martha would start, and I can still hear the words coming out of her mouth. I can, like I can hear the tone of her voice. And with joy on her face, she would say, Oh, Father. And man, she knew who she was talking to. She sounded so childlike in her love and in her faith and her trust in Him. She was so humble before Him. We must grow down until we become like a child. Every person must come to Jesus like a child in order to enter the kingdom of God. And may I just say, you can't live in the kingdom of God without staying like a child. Today is Reformation Day. How many of you knew that? It's something else, too, but who cares but the kids on the candy level, right? So today's Reformation Day. On this day, 504 years ago, Martin Luther... Joe, you did such a great job. What an entree to this conclusion of the sermon who wrote a mighty fortress is our god that we sang earlier um and set it to a bar tune by the way just a little aside set it to a, a common bar tune for the purpose that unlike the catholic church and all the religious people would have liked some fancy high church song he put it to a bar tune why so that the common people who already knew the tune could learn the theology of a mighty fortress is our god and suddenly the gospel was out in song and then somebody got a hold of that sucker, all 12 verses, and the printing press was around, and a mighty fortress is our God went crazy. By the way, can you tell that's one of my favorite hymns? Today is Reformation Day. On this day, 504 years ago, October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther nailed 95 theses or suggested reforms to the practices of the Roman Catholic Church. Why? Because Luther had been reading the Bible. He had been reading the Bible. He'd been trained in all the theology of the church, but he'd gone through a time where he actually just got in the Scriptures and read them. That's something I would highly commend if that's not regular in your life. It will change your life. So Luther was doing that. And as he was reading through the Bible, reading in the Scriptures, he was hearing the simple message of the Gospel which clearly says that we are justified, that is, forgiven and declared righteous by grace alone through faith in the work of Christ alone. How are we saved? How are we as sinners made right with holy God? It is by grace alone. It's a gift. That's what we were talking about a minute ago. It's taken simply by faith. We are receptive like children. We just take the present. Faith in the finished work of Christ alone. It has nothing to do with our works. It's Jesus' work. Amen? And Luther, in the midst of a works-oriented Roman Catholic church that said you had to do all of this stuff to even come close to hoping you might someday, after years in purgatory, make it into heaven, was hearing this gospel in the pages of Scripture and he came come to understand that all the Roman Catholic dogma that said salvation was earned by works of penance and the paying of indulgences, etc., was not at all what the Bible, the gospel of Jesus Christ, said. In fact, it was the opposite. 
Martin Luther had seen with his own eyes in the Word passages like Romans 3, verses 21 to 24, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God, how do you get it? Through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. That's where all of humanity is. And implied here, it's not this word, the word all is not in verse 24, but it's implied. And all, if anyone is justified, they're justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Passages like this, Martin Luther had come across. Another passage that he came across was Galatians 2 15 and 16, where Paul says, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person, listen, is this plain? A person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have also believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law no one will be justified. He said it three times, three different ways. And yet, until Martin Luther opened the Word and read these things for himself, he was in a church, he was a priest, a monk in a church where, 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 where they taught that you, in fact, are justified by works. Like, you can look it up. The Roman Catholic dogma says that. The antithesis of Romans and Galatians. But Martin Luther had, through his reading of the Word of God, which told him the good news about Jesus, saving life, death, and resurrection, listen to me. What was happening what, 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 what was it that sparked the Reformation? It was Martin Luther coming to this book like a what? A child. And saying, God, here's what you say. I trust you. God, here's what you say. I'm a sinner. I'm in humility. I'm coming to you. I am one of those described here who needs the propitiation, the redemption that only Jesus gives. God, here's what you say. And, and God, I can't do anything to earn it. It has been given as a gift. God, I'm here to take it. That's all I can do is take it. And God, here's what you say. You love me first, and I'm going to give the rest of my life in love for you and love for others. And part of what that involves is I'm going to protest against some of this false teaching and heresy and religious nonsense that the church is doing, and so thus the 95 Theses, thus Reformation Day, thus Protestantism, and so forth. So clear was God's free grace in Christ in the gospel that he'd read in the scriptures that he, even though he was put on trial, rejected, ostracized, called a heretic, even by the Pope himself, put on trial, he would not recant. His life was threatened, he was threatened, imprisonment was threatened, all this stuff. But after prayerfully considering all that was before him, he boldly declared in his child, or declared his childlike faith in Jesus with these words I cannot choose but adhere to the word of God, 
which has possession of my conscience. Nor can I possibly, nor will I, even make any recantation since it is neither safe nor honest to act contrary to my conscience. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise, so help me, God. Amen. You know what those words were? It's not this bold theological stand. You know what it was? It was a little kid looking up to heaven. Saying, God, you said it. I believe it. And then looking at those that, that had the power over his life and over, and over his death and saying, you know, here's the deal. My daddy said, and I can't say anything different. My daddy said, my Jesus did, and I can say nothing else. You do what you got to do. Here I stand. Every person must come to Jesus like a child in order to enter the kingdom of God. And every person, if we're ever going to be effective in the kingdom, must continue to walk as one. This morning, if you need to come to Jesus for the first time, maybe you're here today and you've never come to him. Maybe you've never understood this truth that you, you, you can come like a little child. It's that simple. Is that beautiful? You now know how you must come. So the question for you is, will you come today for the first time? Will you? But brother and sister in Christ, longtime church member, maybe you've gotten too adult and sophisticated. It's easy. I, I, I go there sometimes. Which, by the way, just means proud and self-righteous like the Pharisee in last week's parable, Right? You've begun to thank God that you're not like that guy, that gal. Maybe it's been too long since you walked with Jesus in this beautiful and necessary childlikeness of simple trust, humility, receptivity, and love. You know, you can, I can, by the power of Jesus' Spirit, change that today. And again, the question for all of us is, will we? Will you? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, thank you for this part of, the, of, of your word and your love for children. God, may we love children the way you do. May we love children as a church the way you do. May we serve them the word of God the way you've called us to do. But God, as parents, may we love our children like you do according to your priorities. And not only when they're kids, but when they become teenagers. As long as we've got them in our house. God, may we not misplace priorities and disciple them to leave and love the world. And forsake their God. And Father, may we walk like children. Pray for that person this morning that needs to come to you for the first time and find salvation. Trust you as personal Savior and follow you as Lord. I pray that right now, God, they would come in simple childlike faith. They believe what you say. And Lord, for us who are your people, I pray that we would continue to grow up in Christ by growing down into childlikeness. 
at the simplicity of our trust and humility, receptivity to your word and love for God and others would grow. For Lord, you are worthy of this kind of upside down life. Make it so in us, we pray. As we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and, and close our time in worship.
And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated for just a moment. Let me borrow one of your microphones there. Susan Anderson wants to share just a word of testimony with you guys this morning. So Susan, come. share with y'all um, sorry I just wanted to share with y'all um, Chad's message really touched me um, my, my first husband um, was very influential um, in my life and um, you know when my children were young um, I, I tried to get them to church as much as possible um, but he and I don't want to sound like I'm not taking responsibility for, for my own actions because I, I could have done more. Um, and I, I allowed um, my family not to go to church um, as much as we should have. And um, they, we did go to church. but not every week. And um, my children were baptized. Um, and we ended up divorced and then my health faded. And um, I moved to England and I wasn't able to continue raising my children and I had to send them back to him. And um, so through the teenage years, um, I wasn't a part of their life. And the result now is that my oldest son has, um, he's married to a Catholic um, who has been a very disruptive influence in our family. Um, my oldest son has basically disowned me. Um, they don't go to church. Their three children don't know me. Um, my younger son says he doesn't believe in God. His life is seeped in drugs. Um, my younger daughter, um, they don't go to church. Um, she does allow me to bring um, her children here occasionally. Um, she says she wants to get them back into church, but, um, and I pray for all of them. But I wanted to share this with y'all for the young parents to take Chad's message seriously. I don't want y'all to be me in 20 years or 30 years or whatever. It's very painful. I know that God is very faithful. My health faded. Um, I was in a wheelchair for 20 years. I was bedbound for the last six years of that. God brought me home. He got me off the pain medication that I was on. Um, I didn't think I would ever be living back over here or being in a situation where I'd be able to take care of myself. Um, he has me walking. He's restored my health. He has me driving. I went skydiving. Um, he is eternally faithful. He is 
he's an amazing God. Mm. Um, I trust him with my children. I pray for my children all the time. Um, but it's very painful to watch them walk the path that they're walking. Mm. Um, I want so much for my grandchildren to be brought up in, in church. So um, I just wanted to share that. Amen. Thank you for sharing that, Susan. Susan, just stay right here. I want us to pray. Um, I want us to pray for Susan's children. Um, Jim, would you be willing to do that? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jim, and thank you, Susan, for opening up and sharing that with us. God has done a great work in Susan's life, and she's uh, busy now serving in her neighborhood, and we just appreciate, uh, Susan, your heart and, and your service. I'm going to ask Adam T. Uh, Adam, good Lord. Adam Pulliam, it's the only one we got here. Adam Pulliam, to come on down. You know, that's one of those things I'm going to wonder all day where that even came from. I know Adam, but I, he's not here. All right, Adam's got an announcement, and then we got several others before we dismiss today. Yeah, we're going to talk about that later, too, by the way. Um, no, uh, I just wanted to come up here and um, kind of give an update on the youth pastor slash children's administrator youth position that we're trying to find. Um, I don't have a lot to say about that. Uh, we realize that, like everything else, job descriptions have expiration dates. And uh, so we got together and we talked about potentially adding or removing stuff out of the job description. Um, we ultimately decided that we were going to keep it as is. Uh, Chad has reposted to all the job sites. Um, so we're, we're hopeful that some applicants will come in. We've not had a whole lot. Uh, but we would just ask, the committee would just ask that you guys continue to pray for us. Um, continue to pray for the will of God to be done in God's timing. It's hard being human and wanting something done right now and having to wait on God's timing and not our timing. So just pray for us not to be discouraged. Uh, like I said, continue to pray for the will of God and for God to just oversee this process. Um, I also want to talk about the youth. 
Doug, you want to put those pictures up? Is that up? I can't tell. Okay. Um, currently, right now, the youth is going on uh, Wednesday nights, and it's going very well. Um, about 70 to 80 youth and children are showing up, sometimes a little less, um, but that seems to be kind of consistent. And uh, a big shout out and, congrats, and just a thank you to all the volunteers that make it happen. I'm not up here taking any credit for that. That's the volunteers. So thank y'all um, for taking the time to invest in these kids. Like Chad's message said, Susan, your testimony. I mean, it's, it's important. And when I've been here, the Lord is working on Wednesday nights. You can tell. These kids are energetic. These kids are excited to be here the youth and the smaller kids as well. Um, Josh Snyder's doing a really good job with the youth doing the teaching on Wednesday nights. Um, so as is all the other volunteers and teachers with games, teaching the lessons, you guys are doing a great job. And being a parent means a lot for you taking the time to invest in the kids, which is a very important thing. Um, so thank you all for that and just continue to pray the Wednesday night. Pray for the kids that are here that aren't saved, that, you know, they could, uh, Lord will convict their heart and they could, you know, see what they need. And the kids that are saved be the good influence to be the, the spark that ignites throughout the schools. Because I know being a teenager in these days, <laughs> it's got to be hard. It wasn't the same challenge as it was when I was a kid. It's a lot different now. So just be in prayer for that. So thank you all. I appreciate that, and uh, I really do know who he is. But anyway, thank you to Adam and the uh, search committee as they continue their work. Um, and alongside Josh uh, Snyder doing the teaching, again, we've had everything from homemade desserts from Miss Kim, uh, Leslie, and, and Jason, and Joe have come along and uh, led the teens in worship. So just a lot of people making that happen on Wednesday nights, and it's, it's an exciting time, and we're thankful for that. Um, just a few quick announcements. Ladies Bible study continuing on Monday nights here at the church. First classroom on your right when you come in. Monday, 5.30 to 7. Cry out to Jesus prayer service is every Sunday evening at 6 o'clock right here. This section right here. So every Sunday evening, 6 o'clock, you have four opportunities per month to join your church in corporate prayer. So join us tonight. Chapter 8, Youth and Seeds Kids every Wednesday at 6.30. When school's in, that is. Pizza starts at 6. Uh, 6.30, things get real. So be here at 6, youth and children. Also on Wednesday nights at 6.30, see for yourself Bible study here in this room. First classroom when you come in on the right, Larry Mullinax's adult Bible study as well. Uh, opportunities for you to, to study the Word. This Saturday, um, as far as I know, men's ministry breakfast at 8 o'clock. I'll send something else out about that. Uh, I'll send out a correction if that's wrong because I did not get a chance to see uh, Andy or, or Roger before um, to, before now. Next Sunday, November the 7th, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper together during morning worship, so prayerfully prepare your hearts for that time of uh, special worship. wanted to give you a quick update uh, announcement on the quarterly foreign missions offering that we received last Sunday. Uh, that offering to date, this is includes some that has come in online since um, last Sunday, $15,310. So praise the Lord for his provision, and uh, 
Awesome, awesome uh, uh, act there about God at work. Also, concerning our youth, we um, are looking to start in January youth discipleship groups. We met last Sunday evening, had a good beginning. Um, so anyone willing to help with youth uh, discipleship groups, either by leading a group or hosting the group in your home. We probably, at this point, need more hosts than uh, leaders after last week's meeting, but uh, hosting uh, a group in your home, probably, um, Stacy, where are we at? Weekly, bi-weekly? We don't know yet. Depends on how many leaders we in homes we end up with. Um, could be once a month. Could be every other week. That kind of thing. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, please get with me or Stacy if you'd be willing to help in any way. By the way, empty nesters, this is a great opportunity for you to invest in younger families. Encourage them uh, in, in, the, in those small youth small groups and, and, and get to know some teenagers as well as their adult leaders. Um, just open your home and, and, and serve those groups. Also, if you would be interested um, for our more mature members in a long-term care seminar, if you've always, if you've heard about that, you want to know more about that. This Tuesday at seven o'clock up at Northcutt Baptist Church, there's a free long-term care seminar. I'll give you all the information you need about that. Also, the Gilmore Christian Learning Center is beginning um, tomorrow. Their Thanksgiving food drive drive for Mountain Education. Um, Charter High School. And so on the way out, you can find one of these flyers that gives you suggested uh, items to donate to that food drive so that uh, all their students for um, the Mountain Education Charter High School can have uh, stocked pantries at Thanksgiving this year. Uh, It'll tell you what to donate, where to, to do it, and when to drop it off. And so We are going to end with a a brief video about the Gideon's birthday for Jesus and Jim's wrap-up comments thereafter. Birthday for Jesus is a simple way to share the good news and provide for the sending of scriptures across the world. When you give, you help the Gideons International place scriptures into the hands of men, women, boys and girls to give them the gift of eternal hope. Despite these challenging times, support remains strong as thousands of scriptures and testaments are given around the world. Together, we can continue in this good work of honoring the Savior by sharing His story. Join the Gideons International this year and make an impact that lasts for eternity. What better way to honor the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ than by making the Word of God available to people in the four corners of the earth. Now many of you are familiar with the Bibles that we place in hotel rooms but you should know that the bulk of our scriptures are given to students to participate in this birthday for Jesus opportunity to touch lives with the gospel we'd like you to take one of the donation envelopes that you'll find in the back of your pew and uh, fill out the information in there place a check in there made out to the Gideons or use the uh, tear out information for uh, 
credit card donation, slip that into the envelope and place it in one of the baskets in the rear of the room. Your donation will provide for the placement and distribution of scriptures in some 200 countries, territories, and possessions throughout the world. Isaiah 55:11 tells us that God's word will not return void, but shall accomplish that which he pleases and prosper in the thing whereto he sends it. Please pray for those who receive these scriptures, knowing somewhere in the world a man, woman, boy, or girl will receive a copy of God's word that you helped to provide. Pray also for lives to be changed as they read the story of Jesus Christ and receive him as Lord and Savior. You can also donate online, and that's especially helpful for, for those who are listening by live stream. You can go to birthdayforjesus.org. That's birthdayforjesus.org to make your contribution. Now, this church has been doing this for some, I believe this is the fifth year, and on average, our church has given more than $1,000 to the purchase of scriptures, and you should know that the average cost of a scripture, a single copy of God's word, is just $1.20. So just imagine how many lives have already been touched. But I like to think that some of the money that has been distributed so far has gone to purchase scriptures that are stockpiled in the Ivory Coast of West Africa. And the reason that's important to me is because we're going to hold the first international scripture blitz since the pandemic lockdown began, and that's going to be in the Ivory Coast. And your church is, has the privilege of sending a special envoy to the Ivory Coast, November 18th through the 29th, and that envoy is yours truly. I've got my passport ready, I've had my shots, and I'm ready to go and eager to represent you as we hand out scriptures, mostly to school kids. So they, like we heard today in the sermon, can approach Jesus Christ with childlike faith and receive him as their personal Lord and Savior. Thank you very much. I would covet your prayers as well as your donations. Thank you.